And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich. Hi, Dan. And Dr. John Vance. Hello, Dan. Well, gentlemen, it's great to have you here. You know, last week we uh, just barely got into the discussion about the church, its uniqueness, its necessity. And uh, today, let's continue our discussion about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, uh, before we open the mic, we were just looking at um, some scripture from Ephesians chapter 5. God uses this language. He says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, and I'll stop there. It continues to talk about husbands and wives. But um, this uniqueness that God has given this corporate body called the church, can we talk a little bit more about the church today and also get into the idea of the difference between the visible and invisible church and that sort of thing? You know, I'll start by being provocative. Uh, I had mentioned uh, before we got to this this phrase, and I hope people out there don't misunderstand, but it does show the uniqueness uh, of the church, its role that no other institution has. Um, I don't always uh, believe that the early Christians, the church fathers, had all the wisdom, but they stood closest to the apostles of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a common saying among them, uh, particularly in the Latin West, that was extra ecclesium non salutis. Outside the church, no salvation. Mm-hmm. Now, that passage you just read there that Christ gave himself for the body, there is uh, both an individual dimension and a corporate dimension in the atonement of Jesus Christ. And so the early Christians could say that if you reject the body of Christ, you have rejected the head. It would be an anomaly, wouldn't it, to claim that you are related to the head and not the body. So therefore, keeping with that imagery of Scripture, they came up with that. Now, I'm sure that some of them took it literally. I take it to be roughly true that if you reject the church, the body of Christ, it seems to me that you are on shaky ground, Mm -hmm. for it is an institution that Christ died for. Now, the church, of course, is understood as people. Uh, It is made up of people. But there is a sense in which salvation is both appropriated individually through faith, but it also, in a sense, Christ died for the body, meaning that for the whole people as well. So it's envisioned and contemplated individually and corporately. Yeah, and I see that here, actually, as I read on, when it... By the way, we're in uh, Ephesians 5, and in this case, 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Isn't that interesting? It's fascinating when you look Mm -hmm. at it in that sense, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Oh, and it goes on, that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Does Paul have a high ecclesiology or church doctrine or not? <laughs> yeah, he, he, he oh obviously my. does. You know, one of the things that that really points out is is when you're 
come to salvation and trust in Jesus Christ, it's done for not just so that you get to heaven, but for a reason. And, mm. and that's to be part of the church here on earth. You don't have the concept of being a Christian hermit in the Bible. You know, oh, well, Martin, Luther, Martin Luther said something one time about this. This <laughs> kicks off something about Bond. He had a great way of putting a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. But he says one reason that he didn't came, and he was a monastic, remember, right, long to order. Yeah. He says, one reason I came to uh, not like monasticism or to reject it was because it uh, individualizes the person, and you can't carry out the command to love your neighbor as yourself well, that's because you're in isolation. Yes. Right. So remember, when we are saved, we are restored to the love of God, but when we are saved, we're also restored to our neighbor in the body of Christ. That's, mm. that's right. And we see it in Galatians, Galatians 6, where Paul writes, Brethren, even if a man is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one. In the spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself lest you be tempted, bear one another's burden and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he, he's not just saying, well, bear one another's burden because this is a, you know, a nice thing to do, but he, he connects it with Christ. Mm-hmm. That's why we're it's saved. It's salvific. Yep. Now, I see here, I just flipped the pages back in my Bible a little bit further towards the beginning in chapter 4 of Ephesians. Uh, it's talking about some wonderful gifts that God gave the church. And uh, it says in 4.11, He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And you can really see the caring heart of God for his people in the context of the church. And he says, why? He says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So God really cares about this body, doesn't he? And he gives this body gifts. And um, I'm blessed today to have a couple pastors right here in the studio, and we thank God for you guys. Yeah, Yeah, one of the things I'm always reminded of is that I'm not an only child. (laughs) I came Mm -hmm. to faith in Jesus Christ. I've got brothers and sisters in that whole church. And the church, it really is the family of God. That's, mm-hmm. you know, and we need to understand that's where we belong. We're, we're in the family of God, and we mm-hmm. need to be connected. Uh, well, let's keep that thought and uh, approach it more after the break. Today you're listening to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Stay with us. We're talking about the church. A lot more to cover. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. 
And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. We're talking about the church. And, uh, fellas, you had all these interesting comments off the top of your head when I had the mic closed, and we didn't get any of that. Uh, the, the listener didn't benefit from it. So uh, where would you like to pick it up from here? Well, we could talk about uh, a concept that I think is confusing uh, to a lot of people. Uh, we talk about the visible and invisible yeah, church. Yeah, uh-huh. There are people out there, I am sure, who, who would be happy to declare that they belong to the church, but they just don't belong to the visible church. They belong to the invisible mm-hmm. church. And these people will be very sincere. There are Christian brothers, sisters in Christ, and yet um, they don't feel the need to be part of the church visible. The, the the words visible and invisible uh, are not so much used in Scripture in that way. The word mm-hmm. visible means the realm of sensory experience, mm-hmm. the phenomenal world, as the philosophers would call it, the world where you see and you hear and you touch and you taste and you smell. But we know, too, that God dwells in a realm that you cannot access through sensory experience. You access him by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. When we use the word visible and invisible, we do not mean to convey the idea that there are two churches, visible and invisible. What we mean by those terms is this. There's only one church. The scriptures declare that in Ephesians. It comes early in the book Mm -hmm. of Ephesians. One church, one Lord, one baptism. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, there can only be one Lord, so there can only be one body of Christ. There is one church that he established. He didn't establish two churches in two dimensions. Mm -hmm. What that language means is that this one church is viewed from two different standpoints. From God, the church, you might say, uh, to us is invisible, but visible to him. So we call that the invisible church. It's not visible to us. But God sees it perfectly and knows them that are his. He knows every last person who belong to his church, and that will be revealed yes. on the day of judgment. But I see the church fallibly. I don't see it infallibly like he does. Mm-hmm. For I see it through flesh and blood, that one church. And so I see it visibly. Uh, But I don't see it the way God does. He doesn't make any errors. I may include some people in the church that shouldn't be there and exclude some that should be. My judgments are fallible. But when we use the word visible and invisible, we're only talking about the way we view it and distinguish ourselves from God. He views it infallibly. We view it fallibly. And Mm -hmm. one of that aspects of that invisible church from our standpoint is those who've gone before. I remember going through a church in Schenectady, and as we walked down the sidewalk, we had graves on either side of us, mm-hmm. and we were reminded that uh, we're part of something that's much greater than just those we can see right here, but those we're part of with those who have gone before oh, and, and have lived for Jesus Christ. And The saints that have heaven. gone on before, we are still, in some ways, connected in the same body. Absolutely. We don't see them. It's that cloud of witnesses. That's right. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. talked about oh, in, yes. in Hebrews. Hebrews 11, yeah. Yes, they witness to our own faithfulness mm-hmm. and observe yeah. us in that sense with mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. But they, there would be no church in one sense in history without that link. Each mm-hmm. generation has its own link, which leads me to say something that's dear to my heart. 
uh, I was talking to a, a man not long ago, a minister who says, you know, my my children are not uh, following me mm-hmm. entirely. I'm I'm uh, troubled that I have a daughter who is not uh, following me in participating in the visible body of Christ. Mm. And I've thought a lot about this because I have two children. Uh, they both go to church. One, not, not as much as I would like her to, but they both go and they participate and so sure. forth. And I've trained them and with all that's within me to keep faithful to the body of Christ. Mm. That's all you can do. But there is a sense in which the church is a culture. It's a subculture. And when we join it, we learn its habits, mores. We're taught by its teachers, and we learn to establish our life in Christ. Now, there is a larger culture that we live in. It's called the world, in this case, the United States of America. I've come to the conclusion that this, this, if you will, smaller culture called the church is, since it's salt and light, serves a larger culture. Mm-hmm. And in one sense, I've even told my daughters, I believe that you exercise your patriotism to this country by belonging to the body of Christ and mm-hmm. praying for our country and serving as salt and light. We, we talk about all the corruption around us. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, one way we can address that is being faithful Christians in the body of Christ. And to the extent we don't, we let down our country. Should I say we're not as patriotic as we should be? Yeah, that would be I, the natural conclusion. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Our, the American Revolution was, uh, well, someone said it was a Presbyterian Revolution, but uh, it was definitely a revolution. <laughs> Scotch-Irish Presbyterian and, Rebellion. <laughs> that's right. It, it, it was definitely a revolution that, that was brought about and, and, and born on the heels of the First Great Awakening. Mm-hmm. It was the churches that gave life to that. It was the churches that gave life to our country, so much so that I believe it was John Adams who said that the form of government we have is not suited for any other people except for a Christian people. And mm, that's uh, true. that means that the church is vital to criticizing and keeping this nation where it ought to be. It's critical yeah. to the blessings that we've had in the past and will have in the future. Absolutely. Mm. And if we abandon that role that the church has to be salt and light in our culture... We are not being faithful to those who've gone on before in this country. That's right. Mm. And those who will come after. Maybe we won't retain our blessings. We might get to the place where democracy doesn't even seem like it's a value that we should even be concerned about. Well, I think we're fast getting to that point. And Mm. I think one of the things that we need in this country right now is another great awakening. Oh, that God would send it. Yeah, without another great awakening. We desperately need it. I think we're in serious trouble. I I know our family, I interrupted you, John, but our family fears what is coming if this nation does not repent and Mm -hmm. turn back to Christ and his laws. I read a famous historian, I think it comes from Sidney Ostrom's book on a religious history of the American people. It may not be his book, but it's Mm -hmm. one like that where he points out that there was first a revolution in the hearts of the American people called the First Great Awakening, Jonathan Edwards, others. And he said this paved the way for for another revolution that took place in the political realm, which established and birthed this nation. So make no mistake, there is a connection between Mm -hmm. what takes place in the spiritual realm and what takes place in the political realm. And if if we don't understand that connection, mm-hmm. we are the poorer for it. 
You know, we, we love our country here. I know our family does, and you guys. And yet, I love this country because of the Christian vestiges that are yet uh, apparent, and the freedoms, and they are all founded upon Jesus Christ. So your point before was well made. If you love this country, go to church. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's that simple. And, and, and be part of it. And, you know, yeah. one of the ways where we spread, if you will, the democracy, although, you know, I know technically we're not a democracy, we're federal republic, you know. Republic, yes. Yeah, but the way we spread it is through missionaries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the missionaries that, yeah. that went out. And, and sad to say, I think we're putting out fewer missionaries now. You know, the great, yes. the great Southern theologian called the Second Son of the South, James Henley Thornwell, said that the church was a missionary agency mm-hmm. Absolutely. to spread the good news of the gospel of Christ. Mm-hmm. They had entrusted to it this mm-hmm. jewel called the gospel. <laughs> and when it was faithfully preached and proclaimed, that it would be accompanied by benefits to all. Mm-hmm. And so we have to maintain that faithfulness yeah. to the, to if you will, yeah. to the treasure that God has committed to us. First Christ to his apostles and then the apostles to faithful men down to the present. Mm. That's that's the legacy that I am delighted to be a part of. And, and that, that's right. And that's why I think, you know, when you get back to being a part of the church, hey, that's just so important. It is. To care about the church and make it the strongest it can be. What about um, church membership? Uh, there are lots of Christians, and, and uh, we have them uh, everywhere, who feel that uh, formal membership is not something that is required. Mm-hmm. Maybe technically, I guess, in the scheme of things, you might make that argument. But it does seem to me that... Uh, your commitment to Christ requires a commitment, if you will, to the body. And when I got married, I committed myself to my wife, and I signed on the dotted line a you piece bet. of paper. Yeah. And it, I can hold it up and say, yep. here's our marriage certificate. Well, your church membership is your yeah. certificate. Yeah. Uh, I like to wave it. You know what? This is on the side, but I can't resist mentioning it. And this is going to really tell you who I am. I really appreciate churches that are confessional and that are not afraid to stand up and say, this is what we believe, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. ties that back to the historic Christian church and not just invent things on their own, certainly. But uh, I have found that personally to be tremendously rich, tremendously helpful, and there's no surprises. You can go to that church five, ten years down the road, there's no new revelations that are inconsistent with what was preached before, um, it's the same old message, and yet it's fresh, it's lively, it's vibrant, it's it's blessing your socks off, um, because it's the message out of the Bible where men of God has sit down and realized, okay, we really need to document um, the faith uh, once delivered to the saints, so that as we pass it on to our children and our children's children, we know what we believe. And I love these little shorter catechisms, and that, that helps keep me straight. Uh, they got all the scripture mm-hmm. proofs there. There's no question about it. They're right on the money. And uh, I, I just have really been blessed by that. You know, we, we got started on this whole topic of the church last week and <laughs> this week through uh, a communication where uh, one of our listeners, and, and uh, I don't know who it is, 
God bless them. Uh, enjoyed the letter. Very sincere letter. Yes, it was. Um, and a provocative one. Obviously, got a couple of uh, weeks discussion out of us. <laughs> but uh, Bible study. A lot of people think, well, here we are now. The Bible was received a long time ago. What they have in mind, they don't say it, maybe not visualize it this way. But what it amounts to is leaping over 2,000 years of history and sometimes even more if you're studying the Old Testament, and going back and trying to study the Bible in that way. Mm-hmm. Let me say that that's an unsafe way to study the Bible. I believe there's another way to study the Bible, and that is that we, we from this point, recognize that the scriptures and teachers that God has placed in the church that that doctrine that you're talking about has been mediated to us, handed yes. down from one generation to the next, and that's the way the Apostle Paul yeah. talks about it. Yeah. That's why he's looking right. for faithful men so that he can hand it on to them, and they'll hand it on to the so next true. generation. And you know he what? says, I have received from the Lord that also which I, what? Cute. Tradition to yeah. you. Yeah. And, and it's even haughty to think that I'm smart enough and brilliant enough to read all these Bible books and chapters and verses and come up with a proper understanding. How could I be that haughty and not want the input from our fathers in the faith? Yeah, <laughs> and that's one of the things that I, you know, I always like to look at the commentaries when I'm, I'm preaching Yeah, uh, to see if what I'm teaching is new and novel. If it's new and novel, it's probably bad exegesis. <laughs> probably <laughs> you so. Know? So it's, you know, and, and that's one of the things we need to understand uh, we do have God's word. It's mm. not to be creative. We're not to be creative no. and take a new bent. That's where all these cults come from. Well, that's that, where liberalism that's came. That's in. why we have the problem with you know whom. Yes, because he's cut himself off <laughs> right from the body of Christ. He's even yeah. called it the devil's work. At this point, the devil yeah. fills the churches, mm-hmm. and look where this person Absolutely. is leading people. Absolutely. So it's a testimony. Uh, to that, I, t- I tell people in the church, in my own church, when I, I did uh, not too long ago, I said, when I go into my study, I'm there to meet a lot of people. First of all, I'm happy to meet Paul and Peter <laughs> and Isaiah, yeah, yeah. and I'm happy to meet Moses. But I also got Augustine looking over my shoulder, and Gregory mm-hmm. of Nazianzus, maybe yeah. most people don't know him, yeah. and Basil and Gregory yeah. of Nyssa, too, on the other side. Cappadocian And here's fathers. Jonathan Edwards in the background <laughs> saying, yeah. yeah. I, I, well, that gentleman you mentioned, uh, alluded to, and his name is Harold Camping, he is very inventive. He's a brilliant man, uh, but he, he got out of fellowship with, with the body of Christ. And um, that's how you know he's rejected the church out of all. Um, and he's gotten out of contact with the Bible, Holy yeah, Scripture, because and, of that. And yeah. he treats the Bible like a magical number book, and he multiplies numbers together and comes to, you know, 5 times 10 times 17 times 2. Hmm. That's 722,500 days, and that's nine hundred, you know, 1978 years and all this nonsense. The Bible has nothing to do with that. The Bible is not a magical number book. And if we stay in the church, the confessional church, that would become so apparent. Well, Dan, we're not dealing with magic here. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's that's of the earth. That's right. We're dealing with God's holy word uh, as the, the Holy Spirit guides and directs us and as he has the whole body of Christ through the centuries. Hey, I see we're out of time already. Where did the time go? We had fun. Um, this has been A Plain Answer. In the studio with me today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. We would love to hear from you. 
Our email address, ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. And all these broadcasts are up on our website. For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. And we'd love to see you in church. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Take care. We'll see you next week.